Hi everyone, it's so exciting because today's episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Finley Engage Musical Instruments. Have you checked out Soma's String Shop at 1677 Springfield Avenue in Maplewood? Not only do they sell instruments and rent them, but they also repair them. And if you're lucky, you'll go in, talk to Sam or one of his amazing staff members, and have an impromptu concert, or get to try out a brand new guitar, or if you're anything like me, pull one of those beautiful ukuleles off the rack and try it out. It's an amazing place to hang out, and they're also hosting lots of really cool community events. Some are hosted by yours truly. So check them out at their website, finleyengage.com, that's F-I-N-L-A-Y and G-A-G-E dot com, or pop in the store and say hi to Sam and his staff. They're really cool, and I promise you're going to have a great time. Hi, and welcome to Sippin' Soma, the podcast where I interview inspirational people who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to their communities. You'll learn about the people, businesses, and organizations in South Orange, Maplewood, and the surrounding towns. Thank you for following us on Instagram, Facebook, or checking out the podcast wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Prada, your host of Sip and Soma. And today I have a very special guest joining with me for an interview, a conversation. We're going to talk about education. This is Dr. Elisa Gardenhire from Best in Class Tutoring in South Orange. And I'm so excited to have you on the show Thanks, again. Friend. Thanks, friend. I'm glad to be here again. We're going to put this one out, though. Yeah, we're going to put this one out. The last one we did, we put on Facebook. So it wasn't that it went nowhere. That's true. It was just that we didn't podcast it. But this time, we're, we're doing it. We're yeah. doing it. And we're talking to our friends on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And we're also talking on the podcast. So we're going to try not to do too many gestures so that everybody at home who's listening it's can like, actually... It's this big. Like, yeah, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've gotten to know you this past year. We've become fast friends. Yes. It's been really awesome. Indeed, yes. So we met through the steering committee working on the holiday pop-up shop. Yeah, for so, the general store. Yeah, so shout great. out to the uh, Soma General Store. And I, they and have Den. a lot of good stuff coming up. Amy oh and Deb God. are amazing. They are. We're all about shopping local. We're mm. all about working with local businesses. Mm. We've worked together yes. to like collaborate and think and brainstorm. And I think that's been really awesome for me. So fun. So can you tell us like how did you start Best in Class Tutoring and what do you do at Best in Class Tutoring? Because, sure. you know, that's some place where we talk about tutoring all the time. We do. We have that in common. Uh, well, like she said, uh, I am Dr. Lisa Gardenhire. So I have this Ph.D. thingy. I actually have a PhD in urban planning, but I did a lot of research in my career before I became an entrepreneur um, on education policy. And so I sort of creeped into the education space and I have sort of a genetic disposition to education as pretty much everyone in my family is a teacher. And I tried to avoid it, but here I am. (laughs) And so two years ago, I discovered Best in Class and then we opened in 2018. And it's been what we do, Best in Class Education Center, we do enrichment classes, we do private tutoring, and then we do test prep. So we work with kids K through 12, primarily math and English, but we can do subject matter tutoring as well. I have an amazing staff of eight, 
and we're working with kids from all over, from SOMA and from the environs around. So how do people, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of kids in SOMA, but I know Mm -hmm. that kids come from schools Mm -hmm. in other towns and things like that. What is it about best in class that makes people want to Mm -hmm. use this kind of service? Mm -hmm. I think it's a couple things. Um, We're really fortunate to have had a lot of new business from referrals. So for folks who found us online or from different marketing stuff that I did early on, parents who are satisfied with what their kids are getting are telling their friends. And so the word's sort of spreading in that way. And we're also really, we meaning me, since the business kind of all runs through me, (laughs) I'm really strategic about networking and connecting to the community and being involved. So I'm looking out the window and First Baptist Church is out the window and the pastor met me like my first week open. We had a great lunch and really um, had sort of an alignment in thinking about education. And he's created a program where he actually covers half the cost of the kids in his church who come to us because he's so committed to education and really supports um, our mission and the work that we do. And we've had that relationship for about almost since we opened. So that's been amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that we talk about access to tutoring. Mm -hmm. And I personally feel that in SOMA, we're pretty fortunate. I mean, Mm -hmm. we do have the Achieve tutoring program through the Achieve Foundation. I love that pastor is covering, like the church is covering half of the cost. That is a big deal because it's, tutoring can be very expensive and it can be cost prohibitive. Mm -hmm. So, and I see also how um, working in our little sort of group of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. has been really wonderful because people like Deb Engel, just got a shout out to Deb. She is always tagging people for tutoring services and things like that. And I was on the Soma Tutors and Sitters group last night on Facebook. And both of us were tagged when someone was looking for a tutor, which is great. And I was like, like. (laughs) I liked yours. I was like, and I wasn't, you got tagged first. And I was just like, yeah, good, because she's awesome. Why not? Oh, thank you. Well, the thing is, is that we offer different things, but the thing is, is that there's a big need. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. I mean, why do people need tutoring services is it runs the gamut. Um, My experience has been in a whole group setting, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of challenges with gaining some of the information and taking some of it in, and Mm -hmm. some of that for me, about 50% of my clients have ADHD okay. or dyslexia, dysgraphia, mm-hmm. autism. So a lot of my students mm-hmm. are, needs. yeah, they're struggling in other ways. So mm-hmm. having reteaching, pre-teaching, yeah. and just really reviewing an exact lesson mm-hmm. is like really helpful for their for those kids. Yeah. Why else do people say that they come to you? I know they, they come for various different reasons, but what are some of the top ones? You know, it's interesting. So Best in Class is a franchise. So I bought it because I was super impressed and developed an amazing relationship with our CEO, who is passionate about this, kind of how I am as well. In our franchise family, I'm actually the only African-American. So everybody in our franchise family is Asian, actually. Our, my CEO is Vietnamese, pretty much everyone is South Asian, Asian or East Asian. And so culturally, there's sort of a different orientation toward enrichment and tutoring in Asian culture. And I am having like a different experience than everyone else pretty much in the franchise. So lots of folks sort of within that cultural segment sort of look at enrichment and tutoring as a norm 
that they give to their kids to keep their kids ahead. We're called best in class for a reason because we're really aiming at helping kids be their, the top students in their class with this sort of academic enrichment support. I think here, folks tend to look for tutors when there's a problem, yeah. on the other hand. I agree. Sort of, um, and I'd say that's probably 80, 90% of the folks who come through to me. You know, something's missing, their kid's struggling, that kind of stuff. I'd say we probably have maybe 10 to 20% of students who have ADHD or another learning issue specifically that's probably getting in the way of their work. I say the other 80% um, are students who school, like you said, in the, in the classroom setting, lots of different things can get in the way of kids learning, like lessons that move too quickly, not enough time spent on individual learning needs because your yeah. teachers are required to deliver to the group. They have to. Yeah. And so the kids who come to me oftentimes missed something, but the thing they missed oftentimes is a year ago. And then right. it's dragging them down ever since. Right. And so that's why I appreciate our system here because we do, I do assessments with every single kid who comes through, like they're gonna get an English or math, whatever subject they're coming for, assessment individual to themselves using our assessment tools. And within that, I'm able to pinpoint, like where did the, where does your, where does your understanding of math stop? Like where does your mastery of that stop? And my orientation towards learning for all of our kids is mastery based. So I feel like if I'm teaching you times tables today, and you do the test tomorrow and you do fine on it. But if I ask you about times tables in six weeks or six months and you can't do it, then you didn't learn it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, like the fact that we're able to individually assess each kid and place them wherever they need to be and, you know, grade levels, I throw out the window. I don't really concern myself with that. I need you to start where you need to start and backfill until we get you where you need to be. Sorry, I just hit the table, but I was about to be like, yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. One of the things that I'm working on a lot with my students right now mm -hmm. is putting this supplemental, okay, at this point, they need to know their times table. So yeah. that's not something we're going to work on mm -hmm. in tutoring. When yeah. you go home, practice you need to practice this. Mm -hmm. we've, we've taught this conversation many times about the times tables, yes, okay? Yeah. Like when we were younger, right. It was sitting there with mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or whoever. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember my whole family was involved with getting me yeah. to know my times tables. We would talk about them. We would chant them. Mm -hmm. We would say them in the cars. Chant and, them. And I always say this. I always try to assess what gets a kid to remember something mm -hmm. because some kids it's marching around. Some yep. kids it's... You know, at this point, we have the ability to make videos and things like that. Right. Um, it's making flashcards. It's writing them out. Mm -hmm. I was one of those learners that in college, I would write my notes over and over and over again. That's how I remembered things. That's great. But there's a missing piece in schools right now. Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple of things. I yeah. think one is that one of the things that kids don't know how to do is they don't know how to study. 100%. I had that conversation with two parents yesterday and the kids who come in for, I have a middle school math pre-algebra group here that's on Wednesdays. And I said, you guys need to not just do your work in here and not just do your homework, but on Sundays before 
the start of the week, you need to review your material. Yes. They need to learn how to study. And I had this conversation with my son's English teacher as well saying, I don't know where they're supposed to be picking this up, but it's not happening in schools to teach them how to study. They come in here, and you may deal with this too, and they want to do one and done. They want to look at something once, understand it, and move on. Right. And I think the schools are trained. I don't know. I'm not a classroom teacher, and those people are superheroes. But there's something happening in schools that where they're not teaching them how to review, how to revise, how to study. In our English program, we've got every kid over fourth grade has a monthly essay, and I've given them processes. We need to see draft, 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 final and get feedback. Yeah. They just want to turn in final. I taught in the classroom mm -hmm. for 14 years. Right, yeah, true, thank God. Things have not changed, I mean, mm -hmm. from the beginning. And I think this is something that I constantly like, not like it's keeping me up at night, but it's something that I think about mm -hmm. over and over again. And it's like, how do we get this going? And so those of you who are teachers out there mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about when you say that there is so much curriculum. Yeah, It's too much curriculum because I think we would do much better if we had some foundational practice, skill practice yeah. for math, just like grammar, yeah. just that making sure that kids are keeping up with those foundational skills because I feel like you just press a tape recording at all my parent-teacher conferences because mm -hmm. I would say, if they don't know their multiplication tables, then as soon as we're starting out with some new topic, mm -hmm. if there is multiplication, their brain is working so hard to figure that out 100%. that they're not accessing the new material 100%. and they're not able to learn it because their brain is spending so much energy on something that's more basic. Yeah. It's like if I went to the gym and tried to lift 50 pounds right. before I had tried to lift 10, right. 15, 20. It's, it's like you have to incrementally build. Yeah, and you don't just lift 15 one day and then 20 the next and then 20. No, it's you fine. do over time. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's a two-pronged approach. I mean, yeah. one is definitely like study skills classes. I think we maybe need want to talk. We I think we're going to talk offline to about this. Yeah. I think so because, yeah, I and I think that it has to be calendarized because I think that parents need almost like a checklist, right? And kids need a checklist of yeah. what do you do to study. Here are all your strategies. Which one are you going to use? You're going to do it for this amount of time. Yeah, and you can do something that works for you. I mean, I had kids in college that would make flashcards. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I just made notebooks full of notes just copying them over. Mm -hmm. I had students that would tape record themselves saying their notes yep. and go around campus with headphones and listen to mm -hmm. them. So it's not that you can't have different study strategies. Right. What are they? Mm -hmm. And you have to implement them. That was the part I was going to say. Like we can have four, I mean you can go online and probably find a thousand checklists, but until kids implement them and do them and and integrate them into their n normal approach to their work, it won't do anything. And right. so that's the part of support where I think we can create something. We right. need to also call Jennifer. Yeah, Jennifer Jasensky. On the we're gonna have to like put her in the show notes too. Show notes. <laughs> Shout her out. So um <laughs> Because she did a session with my son about studying, and she has such amazing tips. Anyway, you'll talk to her later. One of the things I always tell families, mm -hmm. so getting to this point of study skills, yeah, yeah. is that 
I always talk to students about lesson planning, mm -hmm. like th when I would talk about English, mm -hmm. right? So I don't send, I don't type up a lesson plan and say, here, principal, here you go, mm -hmm. it's done. I actually talked about it in terms of professionalism, right? Okay. The reason why you don't hand in your first draft of anything you do ever mm -hmm. is because it's not your best. Right. Because reflection and time and thinking, and yeah. I try to tell families, think about how your life, mm -hmm. how you do something. Right. Because I think the only way for kids to really understand study skills and stuff like that is not just by discreetly teaching them, mm -hmm. but actually showing them constantly from all the people around them that this is the way you go through life. So is it makes that stuff, you work on it, right? It makes stuff better. I don't. I think there's some stuff in our culture that works against that, though. There's a lot of stuff. Yep. That <laughs> some, so there's a lot of things that just look like they appear instantly, mm -hmm. like. Um, the videos on YouTube and Instagram and all these things. And I'm not an anti-technology, I'm not a Luddite. I'm like, fine, technology yourself to the nth degree. I'm still writing letters, though, just so you know. But there are all these forces that don't show the work. Like, you can tell people about how much work it is to put a podcast together. Right. Like, it's not just you and I sitting here, oh, yeah. especially your old format, which was <laughs> like, you had this segment, you had to do, a, there's a lot of editing that takes place. And how's the sound quality? And is the picture right? And do I need to add these filters? Do I need to do all this stuff? Pre-planning. <laughs> she's got questions she's thinking about this ahead of time there's like steps to this but if yeah. all you do is see the video you're like oh and it doesn't look they're right. not 20,000 cuts and you right. all have 15 camera angles and even if you did people just take that in right. and and kids in particular are not thinking at that level but there's a lot of process to get a product. Right. And I'm probably a bad example because I like write an article for Soma Living every month on education. And I'm usually writing it the day of that it's due. <laughs> and I'm like, I knew it was, I had a month to do it. But I'm still like, I don't know what I'm going to write about, what I'm going to write, blah, blah, blah. And then I come up with something like I wrote about this month is teaching dead because it was like, it's not that teaching's dead, but it's like the system is crushing teaching out of the school system yeah. because of these standards and because of all these curricula that they buy in packages and all this stuff. And because they're doing so much in the day, you can hardly get into the teaching. Right, and you can't get in depth. I mean, I remember having mm -hmm. morning meetings with my kids, mm -hmm. which were the best time of day. Yeah. It's where the teaching really happens yeah. because you're having it's student-led conversations. They're telling you what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. They're getting really excited. Mm -hmm. I feel like you're right. Some of the best teaching of study skills and things like that have come out of students actually doing a process and realizing how much harder it was than they thought. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories I ever tell is when I did Genius Hour in my classroom, hmm. where t kids had to pick a passionate project, something they were passionate about, and learn about it. Wow. And so one of my students chose video games. He okay. really was like, oh, it's going to be easy to make a video game. It's mm. going to be easy. Okay. And in his presentation, he said, he started out, I have a 30-second video game for you. Uh -huh. And I would have been the first to tell you that that's ridiculous, because right. how could you be presenting after eight weeks a 30-second video game? Right, okay. But it took me eight weeks to figure out how to make a 30-second video game. Yeah, incredible. Because it was learning how to do the programming. Yep. It was deciding what I wanted to do yep. and then it was failure after failure after failure wow. because I had to figure out 
why it wasn't happening, yeah. but that's because I had to learn so much more than I realized I did. Mm. And I have a great respect now. And I understand how hard it is to learn something mm. when it's something you, you know, you, you have all this confidence, it's going to be so easy. <laughs> and I'm really proud of my 30 second video game. Right. And I was like, this is Drop it. the mic. I'm done. Right. This is this is what teaching is all about. Mission accomplished. Like, I did it. Right. I did it. And then I could use that the rest of the year to be like, remember your video game? Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? Don't you think you have to study for the test? It's huge. You know? <laughs> it's huge. And it's not kids' fault, and it's not teachers' no. fault. It's not even, I don't know, maybe it's, it's the system's fault. But whatever the system is. But it's just, it has to change because they're not going to be equipped to be powerful. Not enough kids are going to be equipped to be powerful coming out of the system. And, you know, the thing, so I got my PhD from Harvard, and on my Facebook it says, you know, PhD from Harvard, whatever. But it says, what did you study? And I said, I learned how to learn stuff. And that's it. It's not, my PhD is in urban planning, but it was the skills that I got to do research, to create a question that I want to look into, to look into the literature and pull out what I need, to conduct the research and brand new research in the world, to synthesize those findings, and to be able to communicate those findings in writing or orally, those were all skills that I got along the way that I've been able to apply in my career as a social policy researcher and then now as an educator that carry me through. Right. And that's the thing when I'm talking to like high school kids or college kids who are like, I'm, I need to figure out what I'm going to do. I need to figure out what I'm going to study. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, unless you're going to be like a medical doctor or something like that, where you need these classes to be able to get into that program to do whatever, it's the skills that you learn. And that starts from kindergarten for me or pre-K or in utero. I don't there's not early enough. <laughs> like, put those microphones on your belly. I don't know. But, um... For me, it's like, I also wrote an article for Soma Living months ago called I Learned Everything I Need to Learn by Fifth Grade. Because for me, that foundation of elementary, early elementary, really, like by third, kind of, really, because you get multiplication and then you're pretty good after that. <laughs> yeah. But those skills that they get from K to five are so critically foundational for everything else they're going to do. Right after and it's so much harder to teach them after not that you can't not that I don't I had a seventh grader last summer who came to me because she was gonna have to repeat seventh grade and we worked really hard over the whole summer so she didn't she came in we had some problem because they're provided work at the seventh grade level and it was some multiplication problem I do English too it's just we like talking about math <laughs> um, she it was like two times three or something and she said can I use a calculator and I said, absolutely not. I said, now I know where I need to start with you. Yeah. It's not about seventh grade stuff, although we're going to get that stuff done too. I got to teach you your times tables. Right. But teaching a 13-year-old times tables as opposed to a nine-year-old times tables who's been developed in kindergarten with counting up and down and first grade with simple addition and subtraction right. and second grade with a more complex simple addition and subtraction and that foundation of multiples of numbers to build to multiplication that happens in third right that's a different kid to give that skill to than a seventh grader who missed that yeah absolutely that. so that k through five to me is like where my heart is we serve kids all grades in school, K through 12, 
but that K through five demographic is critical to me and my heart beats for those kids yeah and middle schoolers are weird and i just love them so i like to <laughs> but um that k through five like if i can get those kids if i can get them early enough and build that foundation then i'm like i know that i can have you above grade level right and that's our vision here for all of our kids is to have all of them above grade level that's great yeah. that's great Thanks. i love it i love it this has been such a great educational conversation thank you honey. we're gonna segue now all right <laughs> We live in this town. We live in South Orange, right. So I wanted to talk about where do you love hanging out in Soma, and because our podcast is not just Soma anymore, right. in the surrounding areas. So where okay. would you recommend to hang out during the day, at night? I'm at work a lot, but yeah. I do need to eat and do things in the world. <laughs> um, I, um, if I'm going to relax and blow off steam, sometimes I'll go to Papillon. Because I like that place. The food is good. The drinks are good. It's pretty chill. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, and we've had this conversation as well, sort of as an African-American person in this town, it's comfortable being a place where the majority of folks in there are African-American. So that, for me, is a place that works in town. I feel comfortable everywhere. But I like that place. Um, I love their drinks. Yeah, their drinks are good. <laughs> and um, I eat at... I like Tito's. I like Trattoria. I like Bocone if I'm going somewhere a little fancier. Nice. I live in Maplewood, but I live on this side, so I'm in South Orange a lot more than I'm in Maplewood. But I love Palmer's. They're awesome. And, you know, I support a sister girl too, so she's out there hustling in this environment. I go to a couple of different gyms. So Diamond Gym, which is like a hardcore bodybuilding gym in Maplewood. But also LA Fitness out in West Orange. Um, what else do I do? I love our parks. Yeah, me too. I love to be in our parks. I love that we've got that green space in our towns, and we're lucky to have those. Since you're uh, so Soma known, and I know that this happens to me too. Like I love Soma, but sometimes I don't want to see people I know. Yeah, like true. where do you go to get out of town? I will go to the city occasionally. Because I worked in the city for so long, it's hard for me to want to go to New York. Yeah. But New York has so much stuff in it. It's like kind of so incredible. You, just so you know. Just so you know. There's a lot of stuff to do over there. Probably more than here. Um, New York City? No. We've got a few options. It's kind of incredible. I actually went to um, Flamenco Performance, actually with Jasinski. Yeah. Last weekend um, at New York City Center. I'd never been there before. The theater is gorgeous. Amazing. And so that was fun. Um... I like Harlem, so I will go and fool around in Harlem. I love Central Park. It's incredible. And in Newark, Newark is on the rise and moving and changing. So, like, the Haynes Building in Newark, there's, like, a lot of community stuff. There's, like, Jazz Museum there. Oh, there's really? Whole, whole Foods and, you know, you can do your grocery shopping and, you know, park in the bottom buy $10 worth of stuff in Whole Foods and you park in for free and then you can do other stuff in there. Uh, thanks! <laughs> right. No, because I, I actually love Newark, anyway. Newark Museum. Newark Museum's amazing. They have that whole, as when I taught fifth grade, they have, um, we did earth science. Mm. So we would go there and they have this awesome earth uh, science. science no, at the, well, I don't know if they have it anymore, but at mm. the top they used to have things about earthquakes and volcanoes yeah. and like this whole, we used to go up there and look at dinosaur bones mm -hmm. and Granted, I mean, that was three years ago, but right. it was a fabulous 
Yeah. And it was just the, the art there is also yeah. wonderful. Our libraries are good. We've yeah. got decent libraries, and actually Newark Public Library is interesting. I will sneak myself onto like Seton Hall campus sometimes and use their library. Yes. Like if you have that little rebel stickery thing, you can use their library and check stuff out at That's Seton so Hall. That's so cool. And I've done that. Um, that's good to know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's pretty awesome. I feel like that's a great place to get away yeah. without, like, and getting away. Because right. I often go to the Milburn Library for mm -hmm. that. I like to get out of town, mm -hmm. but, like, it's not that far out of town. Right. I just feel like I can disappear over there. Mm -hmm. I don't really see a lot of Soma people because... They don't do that. Yeah. We have yeah. libraries. But, yeah, we have libraries. And, you know, for me, sort of being in the... Uh, in the academy for so long, like getting to be on a college campus is like refreshing to me. I'm like, oh yeah, I really, really, really like this it's place. Nice. I like this stuff. I used to go to just mm -hmm. like anytime I wanted to do reading or get work done, mm -hmm. I always felt like a college library was the awesome. It was just the energy of everybody studying so hard mm -hmm. made me feel like I needed to be really productive. I love it. <laughs> and so you know, you can do that. And um, I don't know. I like hanging out with you. Yay, I'm hanging out with you, too. We actually are very big texting buddies. We are, we do. <laughs> and we try to meet up, like, once a week or so. Yeah. So, yeah, um, there's, I think our towns are amazing. Um, I feel fortunate to be here. I probably, although people keep saying they know me, I'm like, I don't actually feel like I'm out that much. But when I'm out, I make an impression, I guess. Well, I just want to say <laughs> right like now. Four foot long purple hair, right? You, well, not I'm... <laughs> Sorry. I love your hair. <laughs> and I love that it is lavender. Right? Like, I mean, it's just so pretty. Oh, um, if you could see it in person, I hope that the orange wall is not distracting. Right. You can't really see it. But see her in person. There you go. There you go. Um, but I do want to say, yeah. I think people also know you because you're fierce on social media. Yeah. So where can we find you so we can, so I can put it in the show notes and so people can check you out, learn mm. more about Best in Class. Yeah, so Best in Class South Orange has a Facebook page. You can find that. Type that in and it'll pop up. Um, on Instagram, I am at uh, B-C-S-O <laughs> underscore tutoring uh, on Instagram. So Best Class South Orange is how I remember it. Right. Because otherwise it's just... Right, like one and of I'll, these letters. I'll tag you up. You'll put it in the course, social media. And, and so, and then I don't really have room on my personal social medias but you can f i'm elisa love tour on facebook <laughs> i probably have 20 friend spaces left so get them while you can <laughs> um, and uh and you yeah, post a lot so I if you do. see elisa love tour even if you That's can't me. be her bestie on facebook you can just <laughs> see know who i'm who who is that that's that lady who yeah so yeah elisa love tour i don't use my regular name i don't, I don't use my government name <laughs> On the, on the I think I'm one of the last people that does that. I probably have to change it. Um, well, I'm so excited that it's we got funny. to hang out today, and Fun. this is going to go up soon. And uh, but we'll be on social media together. We'll be yeah. chatting. And thank you all for listening. It's been such a fabulous, fabulous podcast today. And um, please check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Instagram. I have my website, which I will update by the time this goes to air. Oh, your Best and, in Class uh, has a website, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, Best. <laughs> and, and all of that information, all the cool people that we shouted out and all the places we talked about today will also be in the show notes, which you can find mm -hmm. on the Instagram when it announces it. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, 
Stitcher. There's a whole bunch. I mean, just check out all the pages Mm -hmm. and it'll tell you more information. Thank you so much for listening and we're out. This podcast was sponsored by Finley Engage Musical Instruments. Don't forget to check them out in person at 1677 Springfield Avenue. Meet me there at Sip and Strum on April 11th from 7.30 to 9.30. That's right, commuters. We're starting a little later, so you'll be able to join. I'll be teaching beginners ukulele basics from starting chords, practicing songs, and of course, we're going to be performing together. You're going to have a great time. You can pull a ukulele right off the rack. You don't have to come with your own. Start playing and either enjoy a really great fun night out or you can start a passionate hobby that you'll enjoy for the rest of your life. Tickets are on sale at finleyengage.com. You can check out more about the event on Facebook and see some of my ukulele jams on Facebook or Instagram pages at Sip in Soma. Audio editing for this episode was done by a local talented Soma friend, Alan Friedman. Alan has been a supporter of this podcast from the beginning, giving me tips along the way and just being a great fan. Check him out at audiolifer.com. Sip and Soma is produced by me. I do the interviews, produce the show, and write the content for social media. But I need to shout out all of the great friends who have helped me along the way and given me great ideas about the wonderful people of Soma that I should be working with and interviewing. Lastly, a shout out to my friend Russell Olash, who composed the beautiful music that you listened to at the beginning and end of the show. You can see him play and hear more of his amazing pieces on YouTube. Check out Russell Olash, that's R-U-S-S-E-L-L-O-L-E-S-H, and subscribe to his channel on YouTube. If you're loving this podcast, rate me five stars on iTunes and chat me up on Facebook and Instagram. I love hearing your ideas, your thoughts, and all about the cool places you like to shop, eat, drink, and enjoy local in Soma and the surrounding towns. Thanks so much for listening. I am out.